This episode of the Cigar Social Podcast is brought to you by Black Star Line Cigars. From the highly rated Warwich to the outstanding Lalibela and Classic El Milagro. These cigars are absolutely incredible and use the absolute best tobacco from Aganorsa Leaf, which is farmed and expertly handcrafted in Esteli, Nicaragua. Visit them at blackstarline.shop and use promo code CIGARSOCIAL15 for 15% off your entire order and receive free shipping on all orders over 100 bucks. Black Star Line Cigars. Cigars are a daily operation. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cigar Social Podcast. This is episode 24. My name is Matt. I am your host. Thank you for joining. Folks, uh, this is a special episode, and it marks exactly one year since the first episode of the Cigar Social Podcast. So with that, I'd like to say this past year has been absolutely amazing. I've learned so much with the cigar, beer, whiskey industries. I've tried new things. I've expanded my uh, understanding of the crafts. I've started to refine my palate. And the people that I've met uh, have been nothing but generous, friendly, down to earth, and honestly, surprisingly eager to sit down and have a conversation with some random dude in his shed. So those conversations have been a catalyst to the knowledge and experiences that I'm trying to share with all of y'all every episode. So I hope you enjoy the show. uh, Continue to grow with us. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate the support. Believe me, I do. So here's to another year of shenanigans and tomfoolery. Cheers, everybody. Now let's get back to our special guest today. He has accomplished a lot, starting with his education, uh, getting a, a BA in international business and culture, then a bachelor's in business administration. And on top of that, he also has his MBA. Working through all of that education as a conflict compliance coordinator and then an HR specialist and then bringing him to a business analyst. Um, but I'm kind of eager to find out how he ultimately led him to be a co-founder and become the CEO, CEO of Stolen Throne Cigars. Folks, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Lee Marsh from Stolen Throne Cigars. How's it going? What's going on, man? You did you did your, you did your homework, man. Read out my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> it's a great resource. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lee, what are you smoking over there? And I think we might be smoking the same thing. I am smoking a Three Kingdoms Robusto here, and I got a I got to call the Arms Robusto on deck here right after this. So. I'm in the I'm in the office here on a Saturday, nice and quiet in HQ. So, it's getting some stuff done, getting ready to jet out, head back to Nicaragua, catch up with you for a nice. little bit. So it's it's a nice little Saturday. Yeah, I got the Three Kingdoms as well, but I got the six by fifty two Toro. This is uh, the the Pensado, full bodied, yeah. full bodied, uh, full strength uh, spice bar. Really, uh, this thing's just sweet. Complexity is outstanding on this so far. I mean, I didn't get too far, but it's a very super, impressive. We're off the jump. It's a super cool cigar. That cigar has been the bane of my existence as a blender. And <laughs> that took uh, three years to produce. I just, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about Habano. And Habano happens to be one of my favorite rappers, uh, especially Ecuador and Habano. But it's a very domineering aspect of the cigar. It wants to take over, wants to be a Habano. And. So to marrying it and to get that complexity is, uh, it's not an easy task. I read that it has the, yeah, the Habano Escudo 
wrapper, uh, the binder and filler, everywhere I checked says undisclosed. Can you shed a little insight on that that binder filler action? Yeah, so we, we had to do that, you know, for pending this and that or whatever. But, you know, so majority of that cigar is estate grown. So through multiple regions of Nicaragua and some other sp- spots that we're growing tobacco now actively, um, the, the, the what really shines through to give that complexity and depth is the Jalapa. We have uh, some really, really cool farmers growing some really, really great product out of Jalapa. Um, and that's giving that nice sweetness to that spice to kind of balance it out. It's a, it's a really, really cool cigar. I enjoy it. It's, I don't have a favorite, but when I get deep into my three kingdoms phases, I, I really enjoy those Pensados for sure. Oh, it's, it's outstanding so far. Uh, and I'll get to what I'm drinking real quick before we get to, uh, stolen throne. Uh, this is pretty cool. This is the Jefferson's ocean aged at sea bourbon. Nice. Uh, Barrels of ocean, uh, Jefferson's Ocean travels on, on barges and ships, and they port all around the globe. A consistent motion uh, of the sea kind of turns the whiskey and increases the interaction of the, the barrel. So kind of something that a rickhouse can't really do unless you're continuously rotating your, your barrels in the rickhouse. Not only that, but you have extreme weather, right? Because you're kind of going from, uh, and I'll go through this voyage real quick, but it, it goes uh, past the equator, then kind of goes up to, you know, Washington state and goes to all over the place. So um, this voyage, this is voyage 28. It started in Savannah, Georgia, uh, went down through the Panama Canal, uh, headed out and ported. uh, Ultimately, first port was in New Zealand, then kind of went around Australia, went to Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, and finally Fremantle before heading north to Singapore. (laughs) After that, it went to the next three stops was China, South Korea, and Japan before heading back home to Tacoma, Washington, stopped at Long Beach, and then back through the canal and up to Savannah. Um, it's really cool. Each each voyage that I've had so far is awesome because you can go on a website, you see the map, you can see where they hit rough seas, you can see where they hit, you know, bad weather, and it's just kind of, it's interesting. Some people say it's gimmicky. I think, honestly, in my opinion, every voyage has been different in its own flavor, in its own way. And for what, 90, 90 proof? Yeah, it's not a it's not a heavy hitter. It's not high octane, but it's, it's a flavor bomb. Uh, it, I mean, this one is like very salty, caramel, I, even like buttery popcorn, uh, if you would. But yeah, I mean, for 75 bucks a bottle, uh, if you're looking for a good flavor whiskey, not, you know, something that's gonna put you upside down, but something that you can just kind of sip and enjoy, I would highly suggest it. Yeah. Been lucky enough to, to kind of uh, talk at length with those guys, and it is a really really cool thing of what they're doing. It might be gimmicky, man, but I think the story is really cool and what they're doing and, yeah. and how they're choosing to differentiate their product. I, I can appreciate that for sure. And you're right, like it, it is. You know, it's always funny because you get into those batch specific uh, bourbons, and it is funny because you like one and you hate the next. I've had that with mm-hmm. quite a few. Uh, offerings where you know and then you got to kind of balance out the hype train some people get really caught up just because it's hard to find that doesn't mean it's good <laughs> so uh, no you know and so it is funny when it's batch specific of how drastically things change and i think with the voyages it kind of gives you an, an easier tell of what makes it different right yeah so you can kind of for for the unknown person who doesn't know how you know, natural resources affected by time, weather, and this such, 
when you can explain, well, this was at high sea, so it moved a lot, or it was in this heavy climate or whatever, I think it gives something tangible that people can kind of note and say, oh, that's different. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it is. I mean, I remember the Voyage 23 was the first one that I had, and I, I started trying. And I was like, oh, wow, this is different. Uh, 24 was like, meh, kind of lost track and didn't go after it. And then my wife went to the local store and she came home with this the other night. And I'm like, oh, 28 blew everything that I've had so far out of the water. Like 28 is probably my favorite. But again, it's it's up to personal preference. You're aging. Um, I feel like I, I think I started with, I still had, I think I still have a bottle of Voyage 11. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So <laughs> I didn't even know that they were up in the 20s. I'm like, fuck. I think they might. So I, what I've, if I, and I could be wrong, but I think 29 is a weeded and that's nice. out. And I, they might even have 30 out already. Wow. I am a weeder guy. So I'd be interested to try the weed, the weeded. I, I, I do like weeders for sure. Um, we got plenty of those behind us here. I always keep, uh, got a half gallon of Weller special reserve here. Got some Nashville barrel picks. Got some of our barrel picks here, so yeah, we, we keep it around. But I am a sucker for a good weeder, for sure. Yeah. So you said that's Voyage 29 that's a weeder, huh? I have to check that out. I think it's 29 that's the weeded one, yeah. Well, let, uh, let, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't know much about Stolen Throne. Our buddy, uh, our mutual friend, uh, Beans, he uh, actually turned me on to it. This is my second cigar from y'all. I've had the call to arms uh, a couple of weeks ago, which is really good stuff. Um, but I'm, you know, looking forward to to learning more. This is going to be very educational for me, and I hopefully sure. for the listeners. Um, started with the start. What triggered you uh, and your decision and inspiration to enter the cigar industry? Coming from the education and the the employment background that I pulled from your LinkedIn. Uh, I'm an idiot. No, <laughs> no, so like. <laughs> No, you know, it's I've had a long professional career, right? I've been lucky enough to travel the world and kind of do a bunch of different things. I, as you, I was in the legal field and I was in the IT world as well. Um, you know, it's one of those things, man, where unfortunately we're all, the majority of us are forced to work every day, right? And it was, you come across a couple of those people who are really chasing a passion and they're just like, they have the work, they have the same stresses of going to work every day, but they're just in a better headspace all the time because they're loving what they're doing. That doesn't mean there's not ups and downs, but generally they're feeling pretty fucking good about their choices. And I just, I just didn't have that, right? Like I just happened to be naturally good at what I was doing. It paid the bills. It paid really well, but I didn't love it. It wasn't really motivating to get out of bed every day. And, you know, so it really took some time. Like what would that passion be? And then, you know, I've, I've been in cigars for a, a long time, a long time. And I was just like you, just hanging out with my friends, smoking cigars and kind of shooting the shit. And I got really into the process. Like I, I, I'm a cigar nerd. I love boutiques. I've always loved boutiques, chasing out what was new and smoking what's out there. And, and then the first time I went to a farm in the Dominican, I just became enamored with it. You know, like I didn't know what I didn't know. And, but I was, yeah. I was just kind of encompassed by the whole process. And then the more chips I would take, the more processes I would see from the fields to the factories, to the fermentation and process facilities, to the drying barns, like to the, before you even get to the Boncheros and Roleros, like the whole thing was just such a romantic process. 
And then, you know, you started seeing some habits in the industry where I was like, man, like one of the things as a consumer that I hated was like, who spends $300 on a box of cigars you can't smoke for three months? <laughs> I said, like, in, in what world would you do that? Would you buy a TV or an Xbox that you couldn't play for three months? You wouldn't. Right. So why would you do that? So then those things started adding up. And then, you know, it, it, then it, it grew into this conversation with my business partner, like, we could do this. Like, we should we should try one day. And it, you just keep kicking it down, right? Because, you know, the real world and, like, the risk and you're like, ah, we'll get to it. Like, you, the same shit I always say is, like, it's like cheers. You always tell your friends you're going to buy that bar at the end of the street, right? And then finally, it gets to a point where there's a moment that passes and shit or get off the pot. Yeah. So that happened. You know, we had a couple conversations and like basically we're like, okay, we either have to stop talking about it or just do it. And we decided to do it. (laughs) And here we are. So it's worked out, but it was scary as shit in the beginning. Oh, I bet. Speaking of scary as shit, uh, that brings me to my next question. Were there any hurdles at the beginning that were kind of just unexpectedly hard to get over that you just weren't anticipating oh sure man i mean there's so many things like i always tell we i i get a lot of correspondence from people that want to get into the industry or just starting out and they they ask me for advice of what to do and my biggest advice is be flexible shit's going to go bad on a regular basis and it's how you manage it because realistically especially if you're a gringo you're living here in the states and you're trying to manage something that's operating in a third world country right so yeah. you lose so much control just in the sheer distance. So always improving your process, always uh, maximizing your relationships and the depth. But like, you know, there's so much shit that we didn't know. I mean, I, I'll never forget the first time I got a tax bill before we sold one cigar. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what the fuck is this? And, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, you'll lose shipments. You'll have damaged shipments. You'll have all these things that you just got to kind of roll with the bunches, you know? And so, yeah, it's, you take some lumps, but realistically you don't know what you don't know until you're baptized by fire. So, you know, it's about process improvement always. That like, that's the biggest thing. We're still growing. We're still learning. We're still changing how we operate. So that, that never changes at all. Why the name stolen throne? We get that question a lot. Uh, and so, you know, the, the hardest thing about this company was naming it because it was very important to me that it was something that was, it, it wasn't a gimmick we were selling. It had to be authentic. It, I, I didn't want to just be a gringo throwing a Spanish name on a cigar and kind of just rolling with it. Like I wanted it to mean something. I wanted it to be about what we're doing because essentially Stolen Throne is our journey through tobacco. We're sharing with you, you know, the trials and tribulations and the transparency and how we're operating and how we're growing. In uh, this industry universally, man, I'll be honest with you is pretty welcoming. I met some really, really cool people that I'm lucky to call my friends. Um, but at the same time, it's also an antiquated business where any kind of perceived, there's some individuals with any kind of perceived competition, they hate your guts, even if you're not after the same market segment, even if you're not operating in the same way. And so that's kind of where that the name came from. We were we were with some other brand owners and reps. And for the majority of the part, like everyone was super gracious and, 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 and 
really classy. There was one individual that was the opposite. And they had made a comment like, you know, oh, here's another one. There's no seat at the table, man. Just like go do something else. And uh, that doesn't fly with me. I don't know what you've heard of me as, as far as like a character situation, but I'm, I'm spiteful by nature. Uh, and I had been drinking since lunch that day. So I made the comment like, well, fuck you, we'll steal one. And a couple months go by and like we're really, really up against it to name the company. And then my partner's like, hey, remember that time you told the dude to shove it up his ass? What about stolen thrones? What about stolen thrones cigars? And I'm like, okay, that's great. Let's do it. You know, it's so funny. I, after all the people I've talked to in the cigar industry, and and the 99.9 percent of the people say, yeah, everybody's great. Every the the the, the industry is very welcoming. But there's always that one guy. And I want when we when, when we stop recording, I want to. I, I'll, I want to know if it's the same guy. <laughs> there is a, uh, you know, it's, it's, I will say, man, it's the va vast majority of people that you'll meet. If you operate the way you're supposed to, if you handle yourself with class and dignity, generally everyone is very gracious and cool, but there's always going to be a couple pricks that just don't want you to be successful. Yep. And that, like, that's on them. That's not on you, you know? So, yeah, yep. I mean, for the most part, I'm super thankful to be in this industry. I've met some really, really great people. Um, but yeah, like you said, man, in all walks of life, there's always that one dickhead. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, where, where is stolen throne rolled? Uh, where's the, where's the factory? Yeah. So we're, com Tell we're completely manufactured out of the Rojas cigar factory. So every product that we produce, whether it's limited or regular production is made, uh, under the production management of Noel Rojas at the Rojas cigar factory. We've been with him since day one. When we launched the Crook, we weren't in the new facility yet. We were we were rolled by Carlos Pereira at uh, Florida San Luis, and then we transitioned into the the Rojas Cigar Factory once once we got up and operational there. So and Noel Rojas is famously known for his what an unfinished business and the street taco releases. Yep, and the blue bonnet how, and the statements. Yeah. How did that handshake happen? How did you guys connect with them? So it's so funny. Uh, like I said, we've been around cigars for a while and, you know, I traveled a lot and spent a lot of time in different cigar shops and, and met a lot of people. And the one thing is like this industry feels big, but it's very small. You know, yeah. Everyone knows everybody to, to, for the most part. Um, and I was actually in Pittsburgh at Leaf and Bean with Island Jim and we were talking and I was kind of telling him how I wanted to get in and we were just shooting the shit. And like, he was the first person to call me a cigar geek. And, uh, and he's like, man, I know exactly who you need to work with. He's like, you and Noel need to work together. He's like, you guys are both super passionate. You both have an idea to be different, this, that, and the other thing. And then I, you know, I got, I got his contact information. We had a phone call and basically, you know, to show him I was serious. Like, I was like, you interested? He's like, yeah. I said, okay, I'll be there tomorrow. So I flew down there the next day. And then a week later we were in Nicaragua. So, wow. yeah, so, um, and then we've been together ever since, and that was 20, 2016, 2017. Yeah, it's been a while. When it comes to new blends, the, what does that process look like? Do you start with a concept to achieve a specific expression, or does Noel and, and you know, 
purpose uh, makes a makes a blend, maybe randomly sends you things to test, and then you find expressions that best best fits your pro, uh, portfolio. How does that that new blend, new cigar process kind of go? So I blend everything from scratch for Stolen Throne. So okay. I do all of our blending. Noel is basically he oversees our manufacturing and production, um, but the blends start with me and. It's really a blank slate every time. Uh, I have such a fear of becoming myopic that I I try not to ever go in with an idea. I just try to start from scratch every time. Like we've never made a cigar before, so the only difference now, as compared to when we did the crook years ago, was I now have an understanding and relationship with the tobacco that we're producing ourselves. So I kind of know what we have in our toolbox, but it's still the same process of starting from scratch, and I always blend from the inside out. So, you know, starting with fillers and then going binder and, and wrapper to kind of just basically accentuate the blend. But I'll be honest with you, man, it's trial and error. There's stuff that I've had in the hopper for years that will still probably never see the light of day. And some st- it might, it just, it's a constant tweak and process. I'm always messing with things, revisiting things. Like I told you, the, the three kingdoms took three years. Like, it's kind of like the definition of porn. Like I, I'll know it when I see it, but I can't describe it to you. Like, you know, like that's when it's ready, it's ready. And so, yeah. and, and for whatever reason, I just couldn't get there with that, with that cigar. And finally we did. And it's been great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you have to give me your thoughts on that cigar, but like, uh, oh, yeah, dude, this thing is outstanding. Um, it, this is right up my alley. This is exactly what I look for in a cigar. And uh, between the, the, the flavor, the strength, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing it's a little Lejeto heavy, um, but it is, but for me, it's good. I mean, some people who don't, they don't want a, a good punchy cigar. They might want to go something a little smoother yeah, or calmer. And that's, and the, that's generally the, our uh, approach to like, because I am adamant of flavor and presentation, yeah. we, we, we exclusively blend with Lajero and Viso. So there's no Seco in our cigars. Okay. Um, so that's why you feel that way because it is true uh, a lot of high primings even when it comes to the wrapper like if if you smoke a crook that's a that's a high priming wrapper uh, that's why it feels like leather in your hands um, but really it's just to exemplify that flavor approach and that flavor profile um, that's been something that you know I always I always use the joke like just like when I'm drinking I want to know I'm drinking I want to know I'm smoking too like I don't I don't want an airy you know flavorless cigar just like, you know, I don't want to water down whiskey. Um, yeah. So in your line, uh, from what I know, you have a core of three expressions at this time. You have the three kingdoms, right. you have call of arms, and you have crook of the crown. Can you go through those three uh, and explain the name, uh, the blends, and some of the accolades, accolades that they, they kind of received, any awards or anything like that? Sure, yeah. So the Crook of the Crown was our very first cigar. And, you know, realistically with the names at this point, once once we came up with Stone Throne, it was very easy to stay on brand with naming and, and that kind of thing, which is important to us, obviously. Um, the Crook of the Crown is a San Andreas Maduro over Indonesian binder and Nicaraguan fillers. That was our very first cigar. That's uh, That's been on the consensus top 25. That's been Cigar of the Year multiple times. It made the top 50 cigars in the world twice it's been the top robusto top toro in the world multiple times um just a really really cool cigar you know that was a cigar that put us on the map 
Um, there's people that don't even know who I am or stolen phone cigars will love that cigar. And that's exactly what you want, you know, because at, at the heart of that project was essentially, man, if we can't sell these, we got to smoke like 10,000 of them. So we better like the cigar. And, and really the whole spot of that blend was, could we make a cigar being boutique guys, being cigar geeks? Could we, could we make a cigar that we could smoke all day, every day, no matter what? And that is that cigar. I can smoke the crook every day, all day, 10 times a day, no problem. Um, and then the call to arms came. And, and with the call, it was a little bit of a different kind of approach because the crook was so big, was so well-received. Like, you have that little inkling in your brain, like, you can only go down from here. So, like, it had to be so different. And every every cigar we offer is vastly different because, like, one of my fears as a blender is, I never want to be predictable. I don't want people to be able to have a handful of our cigars unbanded smoke and be like, every single one of these tastes the same. There's a similar profile in another one. So the call to arms was kind of like answering that call of like the sophomore slump, you know, like, could we come back with another cigar that was just as good as the crook, but vastly different. And we, we definitely did. I mean, that's an, that's an Ecuadorian Sumatra overall Nicaraguan binder and fillers. And it's a, Super, super unique profile. You said you smoked that one a couple weeks ago. Um, it, it's spicy and creamy. It has super complex notes to it. Very clean. Such a enjoyable experience. I'm smoking the Robusto right now, and it comes in a Corona 6x46 as well. Just a really, really cool cigar. Um, and then, you know, the Three Kingdoms, which you're smoking now, was our third release. came out in November of 21. Um, and that's just a super rich, complex Habano cigar. That was like a, a, a heavy passion project. Cause like I said, I love Habanos and it was our last cigar to come our most recent release because it just took so much time to perfect the blend. Um, and, and that is an Escuro, uh, Ecuadorian Escuro Habano. And then, you know, various different region tobaccos for the binder and filler. So, um, yeah, just vastly different offerings and kind of to keep you guessing, keep you on their toes and like a, a new offering every single time. Speaking of new offerings, you had the Phantom Queen limited release, only 1,500 uh, 10 count boxes made. It's said to be a full body medium strength that comes in a 5 by 54 petite bellicoso. And yeah. same thing, Ecuadorian. Uh, this has a, actually, that has an Ecuadorian Connecticut. Uh, uh, leaf with it a does. binder and filler from Wrapper, Nicaragua. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, so the binder, the binder is Mexican and, and then the, the filler is Nicaraguan. So yeah, it's a full body Connecticut. And uh, you're sensing a pattern here, right? Like we like challenges like yeah, JR and I aren't really big Connecticut smokers. And so could we create a cigar that we would smoke and like we would enjoy and like that full body Connecticut is that it's very unique, very very flavorful, very bold, um, with just a nice sweetness off that Connecticut wrapper from Ecuador. I really enjoy, like, you know, the majority outside of the crook, the majority of our wrappers come from Ecuador. What they're producing now is just insane. Like the wrappers coming out really? of Ecuador right now are just unreal. It's so, so flavorful, so rich. Like, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, with a call to arms, I've told, I've tell everyone this, like, I'm not even, I'm not a huge Sumatra fan, but when we were sourcing tobaccos, like Noel made me try th this wrapper and I was like, 
we have to have it all. Like, so we bought everything the, the farmer had because it's just, it's phenomenal. Speaking of <clears throat> Sumatra, the, uh, the, the call of arms and uh, tobacco, uh, and Cook of the Crown, he used Indonesian uh, tobacco, I believe, uh, from what I read. Those are both not a very binder, commonly yeah. used. Yeah, uh, they're not both. They're, they're not commonly used. What was the decision on uh, of using those tobaccos? Was it based off of flavor or or more of a strength reason? So for the crook of the Indonesian binder is actually for the lack of flavor. So the Indonesian binder really doesn't have a whole lot of flavor to it. But what it does is it's great for combustion from combustion, as well as it didn't. It didn't alter the blend that we created, right? So I had I had the fillers so dialed in, and we knew the wrapper was so great. We wanted to emphasize those two flavor profiles. So I didn't really want anything we would utilize as a binder to kind of interfere with those flavor profiles. So that was the reason for the use of Indonesian. Um, the Sumatra just happened to be impeccable. Like the the call to arms wrapper is just it's impeccable. Like it's so rich, so so deep in flavor and, and the, the profiles that it gives you when you, when you're able to get that, that spicy and creaminess, that's super unique to have in the same cigar that just, it just spoke like it, it was just a perfect marrying of the two flavors. That's what, that's a whole reason to that. go back to your previous question is why I don't ever have a concept in mind because these are things that you would miss because you're not even trying to, to look in those corners. Right. Right. Is there anything uh, coming either current or future releases with some more uncommon tobacco? Yeah, I'm always playing, man. I, I don't have anything uh, that I would consider super uncommon right now. We are finishing up the next regular production that we'll be launching at the PCA this year. Um, I can't I, I can't give share too many uh, details on that yet, but yeah, I'm always playing with something new, man. We utilize a lot of Peruvian tobacco. We utilize a bunch of anything we can get our hands on that's different, unique, processed correctly, and of a high quality, man. We always try to find a, a home for it. You know, that's the that's the be, that's the best part of the job is finding new combinations, new new blends, being creative and seeing what happens. You know, and then understanding that it could all go to shit. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's like, that's the humbling side of the process. You know, you work so hard on something and then you end up just starting over because it just, you can't get it across the line. So I heard a rumor and something about you being involved with making cigars for the Yellowstone TV show. Is that accurate? That is true. That is true. Yes, How did that, that even happen? So and what, what was the, your involvement? So uh, it happened all by luck, all by luck. So shout out to AME Cigars in Weatherford, Texas. So Taylor Sheridan, uh, he he lives in Texas, obviously, and he has the Bosque Ranch in Weatherford, and they have the four sixes there, and they spent a lot of time in Weatherford. So a lot of his producers had actually spent time in AME and had smoked our cigars. Uh, they brought us in very early on our journey. So we've been there. Kenny and his wife, Connie, are phenomenal folks. They've supported us since damn near day one. Um, and so his producers had always smoked our cigars. And it just happened to be that, you know, the prop director from 1883 was in town, saw our branding, saw our, you know, cigars, liked the, liked everything 
we had going on and they just asked if we wanted to be a part. So it started with uh, the crook and the call, the crook and the call are both on set in 1883. And then we started producing private cigars for the subsequent shows after. And uh, <clears throat> what I've heard, you're also a huge supporter of the Cane Corso dog breed. In fact, you've made a cigar called the Argos. Yes, yeah. So which uh, has a dog on the label for – go ahead. What's that? No, I was just going to go into the 13th anything. anniversary for Winston. Yeah, yeah. So um, my wife and I have been involved in dog rescue for years. Both of our, our dogs now are rescues. I've been in rescue pretty much my entire life. Um, started with bigger breeds because they're usually the ones in most need. Um, we've rescued boxers, Rottweilers, all kinds. Um, and then I really fell in love with the Connie Corso. I always wanted one. I started working with the rescue that's uh, located in Texas. The National Rescue is out of Texas. And uh, that's how we got Brody. Our, our, he's seven now. He's our, our male. Um, we, we rescued him in like seven months. Um, and Winston's Humidor here in Rich in uh, Richmond, Virginia, they are huge, huge dog lovers. Kevin and Roseanne, great people. Uh, I think they have like six rescues at one point. Now they're at like three or so. But they've always done an anniversary scar. And I knew them well before we started making cigars. I always bought from them and, you know, supported them. Um, and they've always used their anniversary as a way to raise money for the rescue. And so it's been a couple of years now, but they asked us to take over that project to create something to raise money for the Connie Corsos and dog rescues. So we, we launched the Argos project. Um, and so that's about the drop again in Corona. So we do it two sizes twice a year. Um, and, uh, you know, proceeds from every cigar produced and sold goes to the rescue. So it's, it's always a, it's a super cool project. It's a great cigar. Um, it, it, it gets a shit ton of support. They usually sell out in about an hour. So it raises a, a ton of money for, you know, the dog rescue. So it's, it's a, it's a super cool project to be a part of. And I, I frequently, uh, you have events that's happening and you just, you mentioned before we get went on air about uh, an event here at Updown, um, where people can come find, try and meet stolen throne. Most recently, you had one, a, a Capital Cigar and Tobacco, I believe. That was an in-store event. Yeah. Um, how yeah. did that event go? It was awesome, man. It, you know, we're super lucky. You know, like, they really – we're very lucky that we have such a great relationship and network of retailers that really support our brand. Um, we met Payam and William at PCA, our first PCA show this past year. Um really fell in love with our brand really got started a great relationship really hit it off the two of us the three of us actually and we actually were their first in-store event they asked us to come and, and be part of their first launch event like since they've taken over the shop and rebranded it and all that stuff and it went really well you know that's that's something we take a lot of pride in being able to come out and hang out and meet uh, you know consumers you know we, we we try to take the whole crew so everyone can hang out and shake hands and you know, people that you've interacted with on social media, you get to put hand, you get to put faces to the handshakes. So it was an awesome event. We're very lucky. We get a ton of support from consumers and retailers alike. So it's always fun to get out and meet people at the events. Did you have any special releases or, you know, some folks have event sticks uh, for specific events? 
So we've done, you know, we've done exclusives. We've, we've offered event sticks to sometimes I'll share some of the Yellowstone stuff or, you know, when we first started, I had cigars that I made for the birth of my daughter, COVID kind of, I had to kind of walk away from that just because of production time. We are bringing that back. I do have a Maduro version of the Remy Jean, which will be for my son. So we are going to get back to having the event only cigars. Um, and those are events that I'm at. If you, you know, they, they tie into a purchase, you'll be able to have some of those event cigars. Um, and, and those two big blends that are coming back are, are what I've made to celebrate the birth of my children. Oh, wow. Okay. Speaking of events, any events coming up that listeners should know about? Where can they find you, meet you, shake your hands, smoke your stuff? Um, we're still finalizing. We'll be here in Magoose for the, in Norfolk for the, uh, for their anniversary party. We'll be all over. We'll, we'll start traveling again. We were just in Nebraska. We were in DC for capital. Um, we'll be all over. We're still kind of finalizing the rest of the year, but I follow us on social media. You'll be able to catch up with wherever we are. We post all of our travel schedules there. Um, as soon as we get back from Nicaragua, I'm sure I'll hit they'll, They'll have probably 37 events scheduled for me to be somewhere. So, Speaking of social media, where, tell, like, where I don't can people schedule. find you? Sorry. Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook. We're, we're finishing up our website, so that should be done soon, too, where you can have an interactive map for all our retailers as well as keep up with new swag drops. And everyone's bugging about the lighters. The lighters are coming back. Uh, the stolen throne Zippos, they are coming back. We'll, we'll drop those on the website as well. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, like I don't, I don't have control of my schedule anymore, so I never really know where I'm going to be until I'm told. <laughs> Speaking of swag, I'm digging that hat. I might have to get a stolen throne patch hat. I'm uh, becoming a more and more of a fan of Thank the, you, man. the yeah, patch these... hat. Yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome. They, we get a lot of uh, requests for these. I, the guys will tell you I hate swag because everyone always wants what you don't have. Uh, but we do some really cool stuff and, and the website is going to be a really easier way for everyone to manage. I know people love our hoodies and t-shirts and, and the new stuff we drop. We're always doing creative things with new blends and all that stuff. Like, so we always try to tie a new swag item with a new release. So there'll be some really cool stuff to see at StolenThroneCigars.com uh, once that launches. Do you have any new projects or releases in the works? You mentioned something earlier that you, you couldn't really go into detail, but is there anything that we could be excited for coming out pretty soon? Yeah, there will be a new Stolen Throne release, regular production this year. Um, you will also see an expansion. We talked about the Argos project. We'll see an expansion. We are going to uh, release that tor the Toro in August to more cigar uh, to more cigar shops across the United States. So you're going to have more of availability and able to get those and participate and kind of support a good cause. Um, that partnered with uh, you know a regular production release and maybe some more limiteds. It's going to be a pretty exciting year for sure. Cool, can't wait. What are some brick and mortar shops that people can find you at? Well, up there know, in Chicago. Here, here you know, in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, okay. We're <laughs> up down Eduardo Lehman. Yeah, we're nationwide. So we're in 200 stores nationwide and we're in about cool. five or six other countries. We just brought we just brought on Japan. So our first shipment just went out to Japan this last week. Um, we'll, we'll be in the Middle East as well as, you know, Europe by the end of the year. Wow. 
So, yeah, uh, we're all over. If you have any issues trying to find us, just reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook. We'll, we'll gladly put you in the right direction. And and um, online shops, I, was, I, I noticed a couple of websites that carry you. Uh, what are some of the online stores that people can find you at? Uh, Cigar Federation, you can find us at. You can find us at Low Country. Um, they utilize smoking pipes for fulfillment. Um, Wooden Indian, there's plenty. There's a there's a, a bunch of really really cool retailers that have, you know, online extensions of their business that really uh, do a great job at fulfilling, uh, you know, your the need and the demand. So we were very very lucky. I can't speak highly enough about you know our our retail partners. Very cool. Well. Um... I believe our time has run out. Um, this episode is down to a nub. Lee, thanks for joining. I appreciate taking <laughs> the time and chatting with us. Um, friends of the Leaf, uh, don't pleasure, forget man. to thanks check out our... Yeah, no, not a problem. Um, the, folks, if you're listening, don't forget to check out our, our the official sponsor of the Cigar Social Podcast, Black Starline Cigars. Go to blackstarline.shop and use promo code CIGARSOCIAL15 for 15% off your entire order and free shipping for orders over a hundred bucks next episode. We'll actually have Eric Bay from black star line uh, cigars here in the shed. I might hint, maybe there might be a few surprises in stores. So stay tuned for that. Um, and if you have any suggestions, you want to tell me uh, what you want more of, want less of, or just want to tell me to fuck off, please do so. Um, you can find us on YouTube uh, and every uh, podcast podcast platform that there is. Um, this was great, uh, very educational. Like I said, I, I wasn't familiar at all with uh, Stolen Throne. Uh, this is this this cigar is phenomenal. Um, I will stock up on this. Uh, actually, one more question. I've noticed so the, much, man. I appreciate uh, that. Fan, the Phantom sure. Queen and this one had a semi closed foot. Is that something that that is a is that like a signature yeah. thing that you kind of do? Okay, it is. Um, I noticed it that. So like, oh, what it, does both it, it shows. So it shows a technical application, right? So it means that the tobacco inside the cigar is fully processed and aged correctly. If not, you'd be trapping uh, ammonia in the cigar, which would be garbage. Uh, second, all it also leads people to learn how to dictate and, and delineate transitions, right? That first puff, you're getting the wrapper, and then you can follow the wrapper into binder and filler as you're smoking. So that first puff, you're just getting that hit off the wrapper. And as you continue to puff and draw, as more of the tobacco combusts, you're getting more flavor and you're, you're sensing the transitions from wrapper to binder to filler. It's like the opposite of a shaggy foot. Where exactly. with a shaggy, you can get, you get the binder and the filler and the then filler. the wrapper comes into the, the, the wrapper comes into play. So that, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Well, folks, um, that's one year of the cigar social uh, up in smoke. Let's keep burning. We'll see you next time here at the cigar social podcast.